Um, but it's good to be back in front of you. You know, Bruce has said in the past that he struggles with the passages of Scripture for years before he teaches on them. Um, and this is actually a passage that I have struggled with for years in my life and started to memorize um, recently, but I, I know I continually go back to it. And the passage that I speak of is actually the one that's listed, the Colossians three twenty-two through 25. I also noticed that Paul mentions this, and we'll be going back and forth from Colossians 3 to Ephesians 6. Um, and we're going to start to look and differentiate, because um, even though the, pa- the one passage I'm talking about talks about slaves, which I um, converted over to bosses, or, I'm sorry, to workers, and then it talks about the masters, which I converted over to bosses. So, um, in this passage, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, um, in the way that I translated it for myself, because I need to apply it to myself. It says, Workers, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Jesus whom you serve. That passage in and of itself has brought me through a lot of times. Um, as you guys all know, a lot of you know, I have been the, the supervisor at times, I've been the program director at other times, and I have actually been the worker most of the time. Um, But you can't really get to this passage of Scripture without fully understanding what Paul was addressing um, with the people of Colossio and with the people of Ephesus. And in the um, verses prior to this, we'll pick up in uh, verse 2 of chapter 3 of Colossians. You'll see what he's talking about. The interesting piece is we look at the different passages, we'll look at the wives and the husbands, the children and the parents and the workers and the masters, as I was talking about. You're, you're going to start to see this pattern of behavior within these passages where um, God gives a lot more responsibility to those who are over the, other, the others. But the workers can always have an impact on the supervisors, if you will. But let's look at how people have to shed their old life for their new life in Christ. And you're going to see how the perspective changes. When you have a a Christ-like perspective, it changes your behaviors. So let's pick up in verse 2 of chapter 3 of Colossians. And it says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. You see, the people in, in Rome, they before they came to God and knew that there was a Savior in Jesus, they only focused on what they could get out of life here. And this is refocusing the believers in Rome, in Colossio, at that time. For it says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is received or revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. See, again, our perspective is supposed to be on the kingdom to come. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. Everything he mentions here, they were probably struggling with or doing when they were there. So, 
dead to immorality, dead to impurity, dead to passion, evil desires, and greed which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. See, it's not our job to judge those who are living in the world. God will get to that in their time, in His timing. It says, in them you, you also were, you walked in these ways, is what Paul's saying. You used to do this when you were living in them, when you weren't part of Christ. But now, you also put them all aside. You put aside anger, you put aside wrath, you put aside malice, you put aside slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. These are all goals that we have. And I've noticed when I'm counseling people, when I'm in the midst of the struggle of life and just activity of daily living, having to do what I'm being told by my bosses, it's really easy to get caught up with those who aren't Christ-like. It's easy to get caught up and say, my boss is doing this, she doesn't understand that, or he doesn't understand me. They don't know what it's like to go through this. Maybe they do. Maybe they've been through it. I know whenever I was a supervisor and director, I tried to help those who I was supervising understand that I've been through what they've been through. And yet, there's still responsibility on those who are doing the work. Just like there is on the believer. It says, Do not lie to one another since you laid aside old self with the evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. So you're getting this pattern here between them. Barbarian or Sabian, slave or free man, but Christ is all and in all. No matter what position you have, he has to be your focus. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Can you still sympathize with those who you're working with and are struggling in this fight? You can. You can listen to them. I've been there. I've been in, I've been in that position in the past weeks, past months. We struggle together to get through the work. But yet, I can bring light to that subject. I can bring hope to those people when they see that there is another side. So you bear with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should forgive them. Beyond all these things, put on love, with, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, so not just what you speak, but in your behavior, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. You see, we can't just have a spirit without a practice. You're starting to see this differential. There's, this, there's two pieces to every side. And so we have to get excited. We have to 
show people how we're going to behave if we're going to show the love of God. And it's by our, not just by our speech, but it's by our behaviors as well. So today, I'm going to filter, we're going to look at these passages, we're going to see the two different distinctions. Husbands with wives, we're going to see parents with children. Again, I'm going to be flipping from this passage in Colossians to Ephesians 6. So if you want to get that ready, we'll go back and forth on there. Um, So we'll see that. The first relationship you're going to see, actually, is um, the wives and the husbands. I love this because this sets the tone for the rest. Um, and we'll filter it through the script from the Torah and the prophets and see if what Paul is doing is correct. So again, wives and husbands. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, be entrusting yourself to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. My scripture actually says, Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Now, in Ephesians, let's look at that passage, which is 5, 22 and 24. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. Okay. Now, we know that Dr. Stokes has always taught us it's about the, the wife entrusting herself to the husband. And that's very difficult when you don't have a loving husband. That's why you can't get away from the next passage where it talks about the husband's responsibility um, to how he should treat his wife. And in this passage, you'll see in Colossians um, 3, 19, it points to what the husbands are to do. It says, Husbands, love your wives. Do not be embittered against them. Wow. Wow. So, if there's a responsibility from the wife to entrust herself, the husband has a bigger responsibility to take care of her. Ephesians, that's why, again, I go back and forth from Ephesians to Colossians, because, again, we see even more responsibility put on the husband here. So, picking up in 5.25-33, it lays out even more. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow, that's huge. Husbands have to deny themselves just like Christ denied himself for his people so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, so that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. Who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. But as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. You see here, the responsibility is on the husband. But there is an attitude of the wife over here. There is an entrusting, a a positive aspect. And it stinks. I've seen it where wives don't have loving husbands. I've seen it where, and we'll get to it, I have to stay here, husbands and wives. But I've seen it too, where the, the prayerful wife can change the heart of the husband. I have seen it where the prayerful husband or that who loves his wife will change his wife by loving her like Christ loved the church. 
It's easier to entrust yourself if you're the wife of a loving husband, a godly husband, if you will. And that's what Paul's talking about here. We all have to be God-focused. And the husband and the wife, they work together um, in the chad if they are both focused on God. Moving on in Colossians, we start to see the children with the fathers or the parents. Um, Colossians 3.20 actually says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. This is the well-pleasing to the Lord. And then... It also says in Ephesians 6, 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is the right is right. Honor your father and your mother, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Wow. I am teaching that in class 2 already. They have that memorized. I teach them the Ten Commandments, and we're going over it, that you have to honor your father and your mother. And that God says if you do that, you will live long. The interesting piece with that is, as a parent, you realize there's sometimes you just, you struggle to let them live, right? And it's just that way, because they frustrate you so much. But as we go on and we read the passages after that, you see the love that the the father's, and the mothers are supposed to show to their children. The interesting piece in this is, why? Why should they do that? So that they will live long. They'll learn from their parents whenever their parents love them. Um, in my field, you know that I see some parents that don't really care for their kids. That is a sad piece to um, what I do in social work or mental health. And then... To struggle with that, there's still an aspect of those kids. I've seen kids taken from homes where the kids should have no, no will to get back to their parents. And yet, if you ask that kid a week or the next day where they want to go, and they want to go right back to mom or dad. That's what they want to do. They know their parents. And so... Even within the scripture, as we teach our children to honor and respect their mother and their father, that's actually an aspect within the scripture that we learn here and within the Torah and the Gospels. All right. Um, moving on to the parents, the fathers. So Colossians 3 here says, <clears throat> 21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. And jumping over to 6.4, it says, um, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Karen and I were just talking about this yesterday. Why does it not have to say anything to mothers about exasperating your children? It doesn't. It, it's like God knew that moms wouldn't do that to their children. But fathers... We get frustrated or something happens where we can, we can push our kids to the limits. So God puts the instruction within the confines of his scriptures. I love it. It's like God knew what we needed to hear and what we have to practice. And whenever he puts something in there, he knows the flesh. He knows that men are going to struggle more than the moms. So it's in there. That we are not to push and provoke our children to anger. 
Is this in the Scripture? Absolutely it's in the Scripture. Exodus 20 talks about honoring your father and your mother. It's in the Ten Commandments as I voiced. And then in Deuteronomy 6.5, it talks about what the parents are supposed to do. It says, you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. He's talking to the grown-ups here. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Your heart, your emotions, everything that you do, and on your mind. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Why? Why should we have them all over the place? Because as parents, we're supposed to be not just teaching them to our children, but they're to remind us to live them out to our children. We have that responsibility as this passage in Colossians is talking about. It's confirmed within the Torah and the prophets. It was filtered through the Torah and the prophets when it was written. Moving on to the passage where I go back to again, where I've struggled, and I know each and every one of us have struggled at times at work. We get frustrated the long hours we go through just to appease our bosses, just to do what we're told, just to provide for our families. But yet, we are to have a heart and an attitude after the Scriptures. And should we go in there bearing um, negativity? Or should we go in there bearing positive attitude and seeing what we can do to change the hearts of others that we work with? Let's filter this through the Scripture and let's look at it that way. So, looking at the, the workers, or let's look at the workers. See, and that's another pattern that I saw in this. It was always the lower person or the the one that isn't responsible for the reaction of the other, it was always like, so the worker's first. The wife is first. The children are first in these passages. That's the pattern here. And then you see the husband. Then you see the parents. And then you see the bosses. So it may start with the, the lower one first. Picking up here. For the workers and the slaves. Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. Is that easy? Is that really easy? I don't think it is. I think that's one of the most difficult things because when I have sat there at work throughout the years, I have said that's the wrong choice and I've tried to tell you that, but I guess i got to go along with it. Right? It's been a lot easier when I just follow my boss's words and it's easier and I create a more positive relationship when I just listen hopefully they learn that there's an easier way but again going back to this obey your bosses with all things not with external service as those who merely please men but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord so again this goes back to the heart attitude of what you're doing with your sincerity of heart. Fearing who? Fearing your boss here on earth? No. 
You just obey the boss here on earth. But you're doing it because you're fearing the Lord in heaven. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. My dad used to, I don't know if you guys had a dad that used to always say, if you do it, at least do it right. Don't ever have to go back and do it again. I had a grandfather and a father that taught me that. And so when I had to go back and do it again, it's because I didn't follow their instructions the first time. It's really interesting in that way that this that saying comes out of this passage a lot of times. All right. So again, we're doing it as unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord we will receive reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom we serve, whom you serve is what it says. So are we serving, whenever we go into work daily, are we serving those who are of the earth, or are we serving the Master in heaven? That's our change in our attitude, perhaps. And that's what's gotten me through a lot of times. I'll take a walk. I love taking walks. 15-minute, 10-minute walks if I get a break. And it refocuses me during the day. Am I working for the Lord, or am I just frustrated with what I've got to do? Take the walk, I pray, and sure enough, I come back with a more positive attitude. All right, in Ephesians 6, 5, we'll get through that real quick. It says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart. So again, again, going back to your perspective and your heart, with sincerity of heart, as to who? The boss here? No, as to Christ who is in heaven. I know there will be people listening to me um, on the podcast, and there will be people at work that listen to this because I've encouraged them to get into the Word of God. And I know we struggle um, in the confines of our, our different work. I just want to make sure this is Christ-focused. So this is our focus. It's to be towards Christ Himself, as if He was our boss. Okay, let's move on to the masters or the bosses, if you will. Their responsibility is laid out here. For it says in Colossians 4.1, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. They're not going to get away if they're showing partiality to one and not the other. They're not going to get away with their decisions. They, have, they will give an account one day. And in Ephesians 6, 9, And masters, do the same thing to them, and give up, threat, give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. I have been in places of work where bosses tend to threaten their employees. It's not a healthy feeling. I have had great bosses that just lay stuff out and say, this is why we have to do this. And that's a lot easier. This here, if you're a boss, if you're a supervisor, if you will, give up your threatening. It's laid out here in the scriptures. It says, um, going back to Ephesians 6, Give up the threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Wow. Interesting. Again, we have to focus as a supervisor, as a manager, if we will, on what it is. It's focusing on within the scriptures. Going to see how it's filtered out in the Torah and the Gospels. 
the Exodus passage, you can see clearly when the Israelites were in Egypt and they were reigning over the Israelites, the Egyptians were, and they were treating them horribly. What's it say? It says in Exodus 2, 24-25, that God heard their groanings. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. This passage in Colossians and Ephesians reflects on the Torah about that. It's a promise that He hears us and He will not forsake us. And I've seen how God has moved in the hearts of supervisors that don't even know Him when when people will just pray and go to them and have a positive attitude towards them. God does the work on the man's heart. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. He has moved mountains before for people whenever they turn to Him, even in tough times at work. Jesus taught that two, the two greatest commandments in Matthew twenty three thirty six through 40. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, He said, Hang the entire Torah and the prophets. I encourage you to look at your bosses. Look at those who you're maybe managing as your brothers and your sisters. See them as Christ-focused and centered. And your attitude may change towards them. Put them in the light of these passages we went over in Colossians and Ephesians. And yet, pray for them daily. Knowing that God may be using you to reflect the light of His hope and His glory for the kingdom to come. For Matthew 5 it says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anybody light a lamp and put a basket over it. But he brings light and puts it on a lampstand. It goes on to say, Jesus taught his disciples, Let your light shine before all men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I promise you, if you just pray for those who you work with, either way, they will start to see your light shine and your hope for all eternity. And that is our goal. No matter worker or boss, free or slave, encourage those who are around you and you will bring hope and glory to the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Father, so long ago you wrote these words